Well, welcome once again to Legacy Leadership Alliance. I'm Bishop Sean Cooper, and it is a blessing to be able to share with you here on Legacy Leadership Alliance. Of course, Legacy Leadership Alliance is a weekly podcast dedicated to emerging generations and thought leaders for legacy transference in the marketplace, educational systems, and religious institutions. Legacy Leadership Alliance four points are legacy, mentorship, PK Alliance, and pastoral infrastructure. Man, I am so excited to uh, share with you. In fact, I'm always excited to share with you here on Legacy Leadership Alliance. Of course, we've been dealing with uh, the topic of the reshape in leadership. How could we as uh, men and women of faith that surrounds the leaders, that staff, that's elders, uh, those that serve the senior leader, how could we be more strategic and impactful to help strengthen, empower, and uh, actually free the senior leader from responsibilities that basically is really not theirs essentially, it's ours. But how could we be more effective in supporting our leaders? And of course, I started with a couple of weeks ago, eight points of light to engage and strengthen the senior pastor. Of course, I want you to remember that this is actually part four of the series um, dealing with the reshape in leadership. So this will be the final. But let me just go over what we talked about uh, week before last, about the eight points of light to engage and strengthen the senior pastor. Of course, we talked about prayer. That was number one. Number two, uh, about preparation, be prepared. Number one, be prayerful. Number two, be prepared. Number three is where we ended, and I want to pick up with that, and that is be honorable. Be honorable. If you want to support your senior pastor, it's mandatory that there be a sense of honor. And to be honest with you, I find that one of the challenges as it relates to supporting the senior pastor by honoring them, one of the struggles is not allowing yourself to become too familiar. In fact, I have a principle that states, never let familiarity be the total substructure of your faith. In other words, don't let what what is familiar to you become normalized that you lose the real depth and meaning and significance, right, of that honor. Because not only do we sometimes fall into a spirit of familiarity or dishonorment in uh, leadership, but also you can take for granted your wife or your husband or anything that God has blessed you with. You know, you could begin to take advantage of that um, and fall into that familiarity where you lose the respect. Uh, I, I have another principle that states that when uh, respect is lost or when honor is lost, let's say respect is lost, influence is limited. When people lose respect for you, um, your ability to impact their lives become limited because they don't trust what you say. It's the same way when familiarity steps in and undermines honor, your leader, your pastor, your senior pastor, whatever they preach, whatever whatever they say, doesn't have the same impact because 
the the honor has been diminished. You know, it reminds me of um, Matthew 13 chapter and seventh verse where the Bible says that a, a prophet is is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and, and among his family. And remember, that's when Jesus went to his hometown and he did miracles, but they they could they could not honor and respect his authority because they were too familiar with him. They remember Jesus playing in the sand with them and going to high school. So when he stepped into that Masonic priesthood and began to execute miracles, they could not respect him in the level and the rank by which God had anointed him. And familiarity settled in. Then all of a sudden, uh, it brought limitations to Jesus' impact because they could not value and see him on the level by which God has given him, positionally, that is, right? Positionally, that is. And if you've been with your pastor, he or she, for years, you got to be careful that familiarity doesn't begin to settle in, that you become so used to them uh, that you don't see them on the same level than you once did in terms of their rank, um, their leadership, respecting their leadership, uh, respecting their loyalty to God and their faithfulness to God. And like I said, most of us that's listening to me, and perhaps all of us, really love your leader. You love your pastor. But if you're going to minister to them effectively, make sure that the honor is right. And that I'm, I'm not talking about warped loyalty, right? We're talking about pure respect and honor and value uh, that you, you know, you put them where they belong in your life in the purest form as your leaders and you value their anointing, you value uh, their sacrifice, you value, um, you know, their impartation. And therefore you protect and defend that place in your heart and you don't allow time, people, or circumstances to undermine that or cause a withdrawal that you're serving but you're not serving honorably. There's a lot to say about that, but we got to move on. The next, number four out of the eight points of light to engage and strengthen the senior pastor, and this is number four, is to be appreciative. To be appreciative. It's very, very important that there be a level of appreciation in serving your leader. You know, it's all it's always been encouraging and inspiring to me when the leader's text me after I preached or, you know, ministered. And they said, you know, Bishop, that was a, a great message. Uh, it really blessed me. And, and then when they go into details, you have no idea what that does for the senior leader. Now, if a senior leader is balanced, he's not looking for that to preach. Okay. He's doing the will of God in spite of where other people try to bring approval to it or not. Now, that is his first responsibility is to preach the gospel in spite of people. But to appreciate the sacrifice, when I tell you that it gives great dividends to the pastor's faith, uh, feeling loved, and, of course, appreciated, he or she, that is your pastor's, are encouraged and inspired. They don't need to just hear from the sheep but they need to hear from the leaders that surround them that we appreciate your sacrifice and impartation as you deliver the word, as you serve the people, as you serve the people. Uh, 
uh, it is a blessing to appreciate. Everybody wants to be appreciated. You know, I have a principle that states we agree that loyalty and honor is a defense. Permanence, respect, integrity, and love makes a ministry incorruptible. So loyalty and honor is a defense, but appreciation is a defense as well. When my wife appreciates me, you know, just out of the blue, and she looks at me and she does this, and she looks at me and said, thank you for providing for us. Thank you for being a man of prayer. Thank you. See, when you appreciate, you make deposits. Senior leaders, there's a lot of withdrawals from them, right? He or she, every day, people are beating on them, okay? The devil is trying to take something out of them. They're giving, 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 giving. So there's a lot of subtractions, subtractions, subtractions. They need deposits. Every time you say to them, I appreciate you or give them a give, you're making deposits in them, okay? in the bank account, in their heart, okay? Uh, you don't want to to have a pastor that their account, right, is always depleted. Because, you know, when you don't, when you bounce checks, <laughs> you got to pay penalties because your account is empty. Appreciation, saying things to your leader, he or she, how much you appreciate them, are the deposits that they need to function in a level of strength. So appreciation is number four. Number five is you have to be faithful. If you want to engage and strengthen the senior pastor, you as a minister of the gospel, whatever position that you hold, be faithful. Okay, be faithful. I have a principle that states uh, discord is simply, simply an enemy of harmony. It disrupts unity. You have to be faithful and committed to whatever God assigned you to, okay? And your faithfulness is not only faithfulness to the assignment that your pastor give you. It is being faithful to them, whoever they are, okay? Being faithful not just to the vision, but being faithful to the visionary. It doesn't mean control doesn't mean uh, it becomes a dictatorship where you give your allegiance to them that, you know, you know how sometimes people can just overdo it, right? No, I'm talking about the, the pure balance of being faithful to the leader, being faithful to their absence or when when they're absent, okay? Your faithfulness, and, and not just to them, but also, as I stated, to the ministry as well. Your faith. Faithfulness is essential. One thing that uh, Bishop Hooks used to say, and he really did appreciate Teresa and I, and I'm not suggesting that we were the greatest servants on the planet. That would be arrogant. But I would say we were faithful. I remember many days that I would get off work. Um, I worked graveyard at a, a local grocery store in Visalia, California, and I work graveyard. I would get off at like 6.30 in the morning. I would go in, you know, 10 o'clock, get off at 6.30 in the morning. Um, and there were times where Bishop Hooks had to be at a certain city or another place, couldn't find nobody. And, of course, I'm in my early 20s. I'm strong as a lion. I would get off work and, 
and go right to the church, help, you know, load the equipment. And Bishop Hooks had some uh, equipment now that we had to get U-Haul trucks. And we'll load it up and, you know, drive them down there. And then once he do the concert and win a bunch of souls, we'll pack up the equipment, load it on the truck, drive back home, and just be in time enough to go to work. I did that many, many times, and God gave me grace and strength. I'm young and strong. We were faithful. Let me tell you something. When you have faithful people that's willing to do beyond the ordinary and make sacrifices for the vision of the church, it it really encourages and inspires your pastors because it's very few people that's willing to do the extra. But when you do the extra, and I'm not saying hurt yourself or harm yourself. Of course, you know, the Lord blessed that I was able to get some sleep. I, I wasn't the only driver. Um, you know, it was balanced out with some little rest. Well, that's all I needed, <laughs> you know, 20, you know, 23, 24 years old. Um, but it's, it's very important that there be a sense of faithfulness. Now that I'm a senior leader, I mean, it's been 28 years uh, to have some Timothys that would serve like I served strengthens me. Now, I didn't know what Bishop Hooks felt. I was just doing the will of God, and I loved my leader, and I was just being loyal and faithful because he needed somebody. But now that I'm on the other side of being the leader and having people to do that, uh, I want you to know it, it, it gives me the strength to, to run on because I recognize that I'm not in this thing by myself. And although they may not see the midnight sacrifice and the extra that I do, they appreciate me enough, right? Even though they don't see it, I don't have to mention it to them. If they see me tired, then they they step up. They don't recognize that just like uh, Moses, Aaron, and her needed the Joshua to fight the battle. And you know, they could have held Moses' hand up, but if Joshua didn't do what he's supposed to have done, that was to win the battle, to, to be, to do the fight at the bottom of the hill, there wouldn't have been no victory. So you are part of the dynamic of winning the victory because of your faithfulness. And number six is very, very important. Number six is be consistent. Number one is be prayerful. Number two is be prepared. Number three is be honorable. Number four is be appreciative. Number five is be faithful. Be faithful. And then, of course, number six is be consistent. Now, I love this consistency. You know, the Bible speaks in Philippians 2 and 19 about consistency. Paul was talking about Timothy, and he said, I'm going to send Timothy to you guys shortly so that he may comfort you and know your state. And then Paul was talking about Timothy is like-minded, right? Uh, In other words, just as I, speaking of Paul, cared for you, the Philippian church, Timothy will be consistent with that same affection and love and care for your sake. Then Paul said something that is just thought-provoking, and I just need to do a series on Legacy Leadership Alliance just on Philippians 2.19, Uh, when Paul said, for all seek their own, not the things which is of Christ. But then he says, but you know the proof of him, dealing with Timothy, 
that as a son with the father, with a father, he has served me in the gospel. He has been consistent, just as I've been consistent. But Paul said, um, for all seek their own. In other words, he couldn't find nobody but Timothy to be as consistent to the kingdom as he was, which meant that there was a rarity of the sacrifice that Timothy gave that the ordinary preacher, pastor, lay members would not give. Okay, see, your consistency helps the leader when he's in times of crisis because Paul is speaking from a prison, right? He's locked up. But he had a young man that was consistent to carry on the gospel. And I want you to know it, it really encourages us as leaders when we have Timothys, whether male or female, that's willing to do the work of the ministry and be consistent in the sacrifice. Because senior pastors like myself, we have a standard. God gives us a standard on how the the yard need to be done and and making sure we got clean bathrooms and, and and making sure that the music is not sloppy and just thrown together, that everybody rehearsed. There is a certain criteria and standard of not only integrity, but excellence. And whenever something does not go right, it affects us, right? Or it could affect us. I hear every note. I can be in my office studying, and I know when somebody sings a flat note, right? I, I, I can hear it. And I know when I'm looking on the uh, the monitor, that is, and we're doing streaming live and, and, and somebody's taking too long or whatever. Now, the average person, you know, look at that and they just move on. But the leader, no, because we're doing it unto the Lord. There's got to be a level of excellence and consistency because we want God to be pleased. Rather, it is the normal uh, structures of the church or it is the sacrifice of serving when people around you serve in the level of consistency and see through your lens as the leader of how things structure and they fight for it. They, uh, you know, they embrace that level of excellence. They don't dummy it down. They don't reduce the standard, but they elevate to the level by which the standard God is put in your heart. That consistency inspires and encourage your leader. Okay. Because once again, what are we talking about? We're talking about the eight points for um, the eight points rather of light to engage and strengthen the senior pastor. And one of those pillars is being consistent. And I love it because Paul said, you know, the proof of Timothy, like Timothy has showcased and he has he has modeled this level of sacrifice and consistency, okay? And I know that many of you all that are listening to me, male or female, that serve your pastor, that love your pastor, you are their Timothy, okay? And you are valuable because you will, you will do what others won't do because Paul said all seek their own. Paul was not trying to insult nobody, but he was saying that, Timothy is the only one that will sacrifice on the level 
by which I will sacrifice, okay? And be honest with you, there are levels of servitude. You know, some people can, they're only going to do the minimum. So I want to encourage you guys to be consistent. Be the Timothys when Paul is in crisis, right? Be the Timothys that hold the standard by which the vision God has given the senior leader. And I got to move on because I got two more. And number seven is be a giver, okay? Number six is be consistent. Number seven, if you want to inspire and encourage and minister to your leader, number seven is be a giver to them. Most of us know uh, the scripture in 1 Timothy 5, and I think it's the 17th verse where it says uh, about giving to your leader, right? Um, In the Message Bible, it says give a bonus to your leader who do a good job, especially the ones who work hard at preaching and teaching. Scripture tells us don't muzzle a working ox and a worker deserves his pay. I want you to know one of the greatest sacrificial uh, position on the planet, I believe, is a pastor. And if we look at it and we measure um, economics in terms of what is the salary of leaders, uh, we would be at the bottom of the barrel when it comes to um, career fields, okay? Because most pastors don't make a lot of money, but they give the most. And once you understand that dynamic, see, sometimes we look at just TV evangelists and and those that make millions, and we we start we start uh, creating a perspective, and and thinking that you know all leaders is, is taking home the bank, you know. But I want you to know that most leaders have two jobs. Uh, just like myself, you know, the, the the church give me a salary, I appreciate it, but I do other things as well, write books, uh, engage in other public speaking, music. Uh, we have a nonprofit organization as well. So uh, we learn to build tents and be multi-dimensional in our lives so that we could offset, you know, our income and supplement, Okay. So there are major sacrifices. Now, when you give to your leader, and I think that every, uh, all of the people that surround the pastor has to review their salary and increase the salary as time go on, right? I mean, give them raises, give them promotions, make sure that they go on vacation, send them because the average pastor our minds are so geared to sacrifice that we don't think about the vacations like we need to. Uh, many times, it's my associate pastors that say, "Bishop, you need, to, you know, you 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 and you and first lady need a vacation." And then the next thing I know, here's a plane ticket and you know my luggage uh, packed. My daughter, you know, she did something, worked a miracle, and uh, worked around us where we can't see what she's done. And before you know it, you know, we out of here. Oh, man, it's such a blessing. I mean, a paid vacation. (laughs) Uh, You know, this is the only time it's okay for the pastor not to know nothing, you know. Uh, It is such, so encouraging that you care for our welfare. Um, Now, I'm a blessed man, but a lot of leaders, 
and they don't have that uh, that privilege that we have. And I want to encourage every person that's listening to me um, that you're a leader, you're an associate pastor, or you know you're a deacon, you're a part of the inner circle. Um, make sure you ask the leaders how how are you guys doing financially? Is it anything that you need? Uh, I know a lot of pastors have called me. Uh, they didn't have groceries, and the church didn't know about it, you know, and they felt, you know, that they shouldn't say anything. No, they need to say something. You don't want your pastors starving while they preach, okay? The Bible says a workman. We read the scripture, a workman. The Bible talks about those that do a good job, that especially those that work hard. Don't muzzle the ox that tread the corn. Let me tell you something. If the ox don't eat that's treading the corn, the ox will die <laughs> or starve to death, right? If they are doing the work of the ministry and they're doing it well, make sure that the economics in their life are secure. Now, if you're a small church, you can't do everything. You can only do what you can do. But you that surround the leaders, you need to care for their economic stability. Of course, we see in the Old Testament, God made sure that he put it in the law, the provision for the priesthood. So that is essential. Now, let's go to number eight. If you're going to be a strength to the senior pastor, number eight, be pure in heart and soul. I think that that is one of the most essential is being pure in heart and soul. A senior leader loves, uh, whether it's he or she, they love when the people that's around them carry a heart that is pure, right? You see, when the culture of leadership around the leader is pure, they can trust the people around them. I know several pastors, uh, actually good friends of mine, they feel no loyalty in their culture for whatever reason. Now, I'm not there, and sometimes sometimes the pastor, he or she can do things that provoke distrust. But I'm speaking about a leader that is basically they're good people. He or she is doing you know righteous. They're not perfect, but for the most part, uh, there's a sense of integrity, followed through purity. There being the definition of the shepherd, which is to teach, love, lead, correct, and feed, right? Um, but they that are doing the ministry correctly, leadership, they love environments that are pure in heart and soul. Reminds me of Jesus, uh, right, you know, before his death. Um, his disciples, you know, they fled. Judas betrayed him. Peter denied him. The culture at that time was infected by fear. And for Judas, it was greed. But it didn't stop Jesus from being the leader God called him to be. See, this is, this is great leadership. The pastor should remain and contain a sense of durability, consistency, in spite of the culture that is around him. But, of course, once he rose from the dead, they experienced Pentecost. The culture was reset with not just a sense of conviction for the kingdom, but there was a loyalty there that they were, they were willing and did die for Jesus. In other words, 
the culture became pure in heart and soul. So you that are leaders that surround your pastor, you need to fight for the purity of the culture. That is not a bunch of infighting and conflicting. Of course, you know, I, I gave you that um, principle that we agree that loyalty and honor is a defense, permanence, respect, integrity, love. It makes the culture or the ministry incorruptible. You want a culture that is incorruptible, not a, not a culture of discord, because discord, once again, is simply an enemy to harmony. But when you create that culture of purity and unity and, and you fight for the love of the culture, right? You fight for the unity of the culture. That, that means the leadership. One thing that I love in New Creation Family Church at this particular moment, I can say that there is really a love and purity in the leadership, not just within me or me and a few leaders, but it's in the, the, the leadership harmony that surrounds us. You know, there's no big discord going on or disunity or conflict. They've matured to the degree that they know this is about Jesus and not by, about themselves. So listen, man, I got a lot I, I can talk to you about. But these particular eight points of light to engage and strengthen the senior pastor is essential. Be prayerful, number one. Be prepared. Be honorable. Number four is be appreciative. Number five, be faithful. Number six, be consistent. Seven, be a giver. And number eight, be pure in heart and soul. I pray that this has been a blessing to you as we talked about the reshape in leadership. This is the fourth actual uh, teaching instruction on the reshape in leadership how we minister, surround the pastor, and empower and strengthen. Now, this is what I want you to do. This is what I want you to do. I want you to send this to other pastors and leaders, uh, associate pastors, deacons, anybody that's around the leader. And then, of course, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to subscribe to Legacy Leadership Alliance. Listen, I love you. Remember, it is better to live by principle to die by impulse. Go with God and be incredibly, incredibly, incredibly blessed.